Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today I'm delighted that we're joined by Swami Sita Ramananda. And we're going to look at what it means to live a life of yoga. Some people, of course, associate yoga with exercise, but those who are on the spiritual path of uh, yoga understand it as a way of awakened living. So really we're going to be looking at what does it mean um, to have a spiritual practice that is focused on awakened living and what is that experience of living yoga every day, living fully, living joyfully, living consciously and purposefully. Swami Sitarāmananda is the principal teacher of the Shivananda Yoga and Vedanta centers and ashrams on the U.S. West Coast and in Asia, including Vietnam, where she is from. She's the director of the Shivananda Ashram Yoga Farm in Grass Valley, California. You can find out more about her and that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place of peace of yoga uh, in Grass Valley. Their website is shivanandayogafarm.org and that's S-I-V-A-N-A-N-D-A yogafarm.org. Welcome Swami Sitaramananda. I am so delighted to be connected to you again today and to welcome you back to Yoga Hour. Om Namah Shivaya, Om Uma, how are you? It's very nice to talk with you and the public. Thank you so much. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. And before we dive into talking about yoga, let's practice a moment of yoga in meditation. Om. 
as we begin today, let us offer our salutations to the divine, to the infinite, unbounded, all-pervading reality, which is the source and substance of all that is, here and now, completely present. So with your breath, be conscious of that presence. Let your breath be an anchor that connects you to remembrance of the divine reality and the truth of your own being. How beautiful is this day? How beautiful the divine presence? How beautiful this life, this moment? So simply breathe, be conscious of your breath. Let your awareness expand. Wherever you are, In time and space, remember that infinite divine self, the higher self, is present around you, within you. Let peace pervade your heart and your mind. Cultivate that quality to be guided by the truth by your inspiration, by that wisdom within you. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Peace, peace, peace. question of what is it, you know, to live uh, a yoga life. Um, and of course, I was inspired uh, to call this program uh, Living a Yoga Life by this a recent book that has come out, uh, Swamisita, of your beautiful Guru's uh, teachings, um, teachings on yoga life, all that compilation over the years of his wisdom. So it had me thinking about, you know, how we articulate what it is to live a yoga life. And I was drawn back to the Bhagavad Gita um, and thinking about how, you know, in that ancient text, we have that very question, you know, where Arjuna is asking uh, Krishna, you know, basically, what does it look like? What does it look like to live this life of yoga, to live? Uh, he says, tell me of those who all live always in wisdom, ever aware of the self, oh Krishna, how do they talk? How do they sit? How do they move about? So, what does it look like to live a yoga life? And uh, Swami uh, Sita, uh, what would you say? How would you describe that? Om Uma. Uh, for me, the first word that comes to mind is um, to describe yoga life is a focused life. A yoga life is a focused life 
is not a haphazard life. What that means, you know, focus on the great goal, the goal of self-realization. So we are doing our duties, whatever our life is. We have to do our duty, and uh, we have to cultivate our selflessness, our equanimity. But the main thing about yoga lives is we don't want to create new karma. That means we are already establishing the idea that um, uh, the self is, the self is Satchidananda, everything is perfect, and what we are experiencing here now is the karma. So we have to go through the karma and let go of our expectation, our result, our reaction, and um, we have to constantly asking ourselves the question, um, you know, if I'm going to do this, am I going to create new karma or I'm going to resolve my karma? So that's the main thing. It's a focused life and, and focus on liberation. And it's so beautiful to start with, of course, the purpose, the highest truth of what it is to live a yoga life. And really, you've described it so beautiful. Um, it's really that intentional living. It's, it's understanding why, why we would arrange conditions in our life. You know, what is the focus? What is the purpose? And as you have so beautifully uh, described, this purpose, of course, is... Uh, to be fully liberated in this lifetime, you know, not to think of, okay, well, I'll just kind of drift along and I'll do a few asanas, I'll change my diet a little bit and uh, I'll have a more comfortable um, lifestyle or, a, you know, a better looking body. But, you know, we, we really have our sights set on this uh, ultimate uh, liberation, which is the goal of yoga life. So that makes the most sense. Like we start with that. What is the goal? The goal is absolute uh, liberation in this lifetime. And as you've described, then when we have that goal, we think about, okay, how am I living? You know, this, this karma is unfolding. Um, I'm having experiences, some of the experiences I like, uh, some of them I don't like, um, and but then how do we respond to them? Uh-huh. Um, because we want to um, have this quality of equanimity, as you say, that is not producing um, more more karma to deal with. Right. So how do you find this practice of equanimity? You know, how do you, how do you practice it? So we have the goal. We say, okay, as I said, some things are happening. We like some things we don't like. Um, how do we cultivate this equanimity? How do you uh, find that skill? Yeah. Equanimity is not uh, easy to cultivate. That's why I asked you. <laughs> I believe uh, equanimity is uh, based on wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And in order to get uh, wisdom, we have to learn to control our mind. I mean, we have to learn to detach first from our mind, knowing that our mind is only an instrument. It's not ourselves. Our thoughts, mind means thoughts, emotions, um, you know, reaction. 
reasoning even. It's not ourselves. So that's the first step. That means we have to uh, know that the self is there. It's not somewhere else. It's there. But the mind is preventing us from seeing the self. So in order to um, develop equanimity, I believe that we need to purify the mind from our lower mind you know, of emotions, reactions, instinct into a higher mind that is more pure, more transparent, more sattvic, like we said, that is able to see the big picture. Mm. And the big picture comes when we start to ask ourselves questions and uh, we are able to we say discriminate between the self and the not-self, that means between the truth and the not-truth. And that all these are very high kind of thinking, but we do have to start like this. You know, there's no way around it. We have to start to think what is permanent and what is impermanent. You know, the thing that I fuss about and I am uh, really have reaction about, is it something that would um, bring me something long-lasting, something? Or it just, you know, give me a, a mental satisfaction at that time, and then, you know, the same thing will happen the next moment. So we have to uh, discriminate, and it is, it is said, we have also to detach. Mm-hmm. Discriminate means you have to know that the self is there, and uh, the thing that is fabricated by our, by our mind, out of habit and past experiences that is being reserved to us, is not the real thing. And then uh, the detachments that you are anchored in yourself, and then you see all this happening as only a temporary happening, and it would uh, go away if we don't reattach ourselves to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I need to go back a little bit because what you say, what is a life of yoga? I think we need to throw in the word, add on the word, selflessness. The life of yoga has to be based on selflessness. That means not functioning out of our own uh, ego, expectation, a sense of a limited self. But uh, our life should be an offering to others, offering to God. And uh, it's a life of selflessness. And only by the life of selflessness, we don't create new karma, and we are able to go through the karma with calmness mm-hmm. and faith. Yeah, I'm glad that you you brought in uh, selflessness. Um, we have a beautiful saying that we often offer at our uh, center in the teachings from Swami Sri Yukteswar, um, the guru of Paramahansa Yogananda, and he he said, "Self-realization is not selfish realization," <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it it. To have that higher focus, um, because first, you know, we were talking about the highest goal of liberation in this lifetime. But, you know, if we somehow have the idea that, you know, that is a personal goal, you know, that, um, that, that, you know, our life is going to become better and we're so focused on the small self, you know, getting better, improving our life. Um, that is not it. You know, this, this, um, ideal of the, 
uh, yoga life uh, is liberation, but, you know, along with that is just exactly, as you have said, understanding that this is uh, cultivating selflessness, that, you know, what we do is an offering. So, you know, what is the point of meditating, for example? You know, if we know, we, we practice discrimination, we know that we are that uh, which we are seeking, then, you know, what is the point of worship or meditation or any of those things that we might do? Um, it, you know, in a sense, it, it doesn't get us anywhere, but, but it, it is our offering, right? So we have a mindset, you know, that what we're doing, uh, we do as, uh, as an offering. And, um, that kind of gets us out of, um, you know, digging into the sense of ego, um, which is the great barrier, uh, to awakening. So to have this, um, cultivation of selflessness, uh, is, is critical. How would you say, uh, Swamiji, that selflessness is cultivated? You give us a, an example of, you know, how a person approaches that how do you do it selflessness Mm -hmm. yeah how do we get out of our own way (laughs) because the idea is um, yoga is detaching from false concept of self that means we have an idea who we are and then we basically these ideas of who we are bind us So when we talk about liberation, we talk about this liberation from our own idea of who we are. So therefore, selflessness means um, we have to start from the idea of who we are, because we all have that, and we have to, what you said is correct, is just offer it up. So in Karma Yoga, it is said that we have to offer our action and the result of our action, in bhakti yoga, we have to offer our emotion and turn it into divine love. In jnana yoga, it is we offer our our, our thoughts, our idea, uh, and uh, and offer it up, you know, so that you can uh, recognize the 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 true self. Offer our false identification. In raj yoga, it is uh, offering all our thoughts all together. Yes, in meditation. So that's a, I believe it is called, uh, simply put, it's called selflessness. But uh, the four classical path of yoga uh, talk about just that, how to transform our binding karma, our binding ideas about self into this liberating idea of self that is right there yeah, we say liberating, but in fact, uh, we always we are always free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's that's the interesting interesting part of it. But then, of course, as you know, have you have described these various um, avenues of emphasis in yoga um, give us a, a way, I would say, to purify uh, the body and mind. Um, you know, as we offer. Uh, all that we do. 
Um, there's a beautiful quote from Paramahansa Yogananda, and he said, uh, whether you are suffering in this life or smiling with opulence and power, your consciousness should remain unchanged. If you can accomplish even-mindedness, nothing can ever hurt you. The lives of all great masters show that they have achieved this blessed state. So, you know, when we talk about a yoga life, we... Uh, you know, we, you have pointed us as we began this segment this morning to the highest goal. You know, we have intentional living, we have purposeful living, um, focused living. We, we know what yoga is about with this, this, uh, waking up, living an awakened life and, uh, the cultivation of this attitude of selflessness, um, to help us, um, <clears throat> mitigate and ultimately overcome the great obstacle that is called ego. Uh, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back from the break, uh, Swami, uh, Swamiji, I would love to talk more about this yoga life and, uh, a little bit in particular, what you learned from your guru, uh, Swami Vishnu Devananda, uh, about this way of living a yoga life. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. We're talking today on the Yoga Hour with Swami Sitaramananda, who's principal teacher of Shivananda Yoga and Vedanta Centers and Ashrams in U.S. and Asia, director of Shivananda Ashram Yoga Farm in Grass Valley, California, and their website is shivanandayogafarm.org. And we'll be right back with you. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity online radio and click on mobile listening. There is peace, there is quiet. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time with an energy that will captivate you. Touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and uh, our guest today is Swami Sita Ramananda. She is the director of Shivananda Yoga Farm in Grass Valley, California. A truly heavenly place. A beautiful, beautiful place. So you can find out more about Swamiji at the website and also about the many programs uh, for yoga at the Shivananda Yoga Farm. And their website is shivanandayogafarm.org. And we've been talking about what it is to live a life of yoga. We could call it a yoga life and the different qualities that uh, we develop that can help us really stay the course of uh, living a purposeful focus, a life that's focused on awakening, uh, a life of selfless service and uh, selfless engagement. So uh, Swamiji, we were talking about um, equanimity and about dispassion in the first segment. So I want to ask you, you know, how has this way of dispassionate non-attachment helped you in in your own spiritual practice? You've been on the path many, many years and you have been serving, uh, you know, with your Guruji when he was here, Swami Vishnu Devananda and all over the world. Um, so your life, I know, is very full and I'm guessing that it, it has offered you many opportunities for dispassionate non-attachment. So will you tell us about how it has developed in your life and um, how has it helped you in your spiritual practice? Uh, thank you. So now we're not going to talk about myself. I talk about the ideas that that I come up with by living this life. So a few ideas that can help uh, the audience. For example, uh, not first the small stuff. That means uh, if you have things, sometimes your mind gets agitated about small things. We have to be uh, able to be dispassionate about it. It means it's not really important. It's not a question of life and death and, and just rise above. And then the question of living a purposeful life, a yogic life, means also giving uh, living a high pranic life. That means that we have to choose uh, the option of having more energy, and that's yoga. When you have more energy, that means you're taught to be higher, and uh, your the, the light of consciousness can shine through better. Um, so try to save energy and time, not to waste any of your amount of uh, your energy. Like, for example, uh, we can just... Uh, 
you know, watch uh, Facebook and Internet uh, and all these things that might waste our energy. So we need to, um, you know, be dispassionate about it and really get uh, stay away from those things that we do that would make us waste energy. And uh, so dispassionate uh, non-attachment can be very practical. Now, for example, also not try to be right or having last words when we have a, a conflict with somebody. Yeah, so be dispassionate about it. Let it be. It doesn't change anything about who you are essentially. So let it go. And then, uh, for example, try not to enter into politics, into parties, into anything that creates extreme views and conflicts. Mm, always try to see the other person's view or uh, the, uh, the, the, the different view about uh, our interpretation about something, somebody, or something happening. So that also is uh, dispassionate, not be too attached to our own view, um, and also live in balance. And that the quality of balance is very important, between extremes, try not to try to cut our extremes, I mean, uh, if we, we like something very much or we dislike something very much, try to come to a point of uh, harmony. That means not really dislike, not really like too much. Uh, try to reduce this. It's not like we are dead and we don't have opinion or something like this, but to try to not being extreme and um, try not to want too much or desire too much and try to give more than want. Yeah, because the desire, you know, are endless, unsatiable. So it will not give you happiness. So when you are sure of that, then you become more detached. Yeah, detached from our own mind and the endless desires that might come from our mind. So not to buy into it, knowing that whatever comes from our mind is not the self. So it's very simple. So we have to learn to live our life, controlling our mind and working with our mind, loving our mind, but not identifying with it and um, try to be content and calm, knowing that what we have materially or mentally is a play of the divine energy, that we are not these things. So that's a detachment. No, thank you, Swamiji. I, I really appreciated all those uh, thoughts and practical ways we can cultivate um, dispassion. And especially I uh, appreciated your thoughts about uh, energy, choosing to have uh, energy in life and um you know, this is in a sense brahmacharya, right? You know, we, we, we have, we, we cultivate, um, this energy by being attentive to our vital force. What drains it? You know, you mentioned, you like sitting at the computer, just looking at Facebook and time passes by. So you can, you can see that little hourglass of, you know, the sands of time just moving down, just washing away, you know, as you're just sitting on the computer, whether it's just, you know, email or Facebook or, or whatever. Um, so to be aware, I think that our energy in a sense, is our life. It is the expression of our life. And um, 
although, you know, we are unbounded, unlimited, uh, divine self, we are here for a limited time. And so to be aware of how we use our time in a purposeful way, in a way that cultivates um, more energy, as you say, having that light uh, shine through us. So, you know, I know that uh, living a life of yoga is paying attention to that, to not waste time to not waste money, you know, all these different forms of energy, right? Not waste time, not waste money, not waste uh, food, Um, you know, not uh, just to be conscious of um, how we're using energy in our life can be such uh, an excellent practice. Not, you know, not too much talking, right? Just... just talking, you know, idle chatter kind of thing, you know, also, you know, wastes our energy. So when you think about that, you know, how we're living, how we're using our energy. Yes, please. Not worrying. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, and you talked about, you know, not getting too involved in um, things that are going on that are temporary. And of course, right now we're in the, in the U.S., we're in this whole political conversation that is um, quite volatile and, um, you know, and it, it's a concern um, and certainly you know, you could lose a lot of energy, you know, yeah. just really watching that, talking about it, um, you know, and, and so living a yoga life, you know, you, you do the responsible thing, you know, you're aware, uh, yeah. you vote, you know, I think you vote, you're not, you know, you don't completely disengage, but you also don't get, you know, so involved and like you say, uh, being attached to your view and, you know, losing your peace over it. So, you know, we learn Learn to do always the right ask, thing. I'm sorry. Always asking the question, is it helpful for the world? Is it helpful for me? Am I progressing on my life, on my path, if I'm doing this? Or I'm wasting my time and energy? So that's a guideline. guideline. Exactly. Yeah. Is it useful? <laughs> is it useful <laughs> for the world? Is it useful for me? Am I progressing on my path? Um, you know, one of the ways that we look at, you know, what is happening like that with our energy is we pay attention to attraction and aversion. You know, what we like, what we don't like. Um, shall we talk a little bit about that, this whole process of working with uh, desires? I think it's really covered by what you said, you know, is it useful? That's <laughs> kind of the, the best question. But do you want to say anything else about um, desires, dealing with our attractions and our aversions, what we like, what we don't like? Yeah. So what we like or what we don't like is a product of our past experience. That means our subconscious mind. I mean, our past is not ourselves. Our past is is the um, uh, say, reserving of our non-digested experience from past. So it's like reserving all food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, that was the image I got as you said that. Yeah, it's not fresh food. So that means if we are attached to our likes and dislikes that are the products of our past experience. 
we keep revolving again and again in the same samsara, in the same patterns of mind that will not liberate us, that will not bring us to the true, to our true nature. So the idea is how to get out of these repeated patterns of our mind that is expressed as our likes and dislikes and personality. So that's the idea. So we would um, have to work on these likes and dislikes. So in the beginning, try to reduce the extreme, like I said, but also we can pick one, whatever we we want. We can pick one trait of character, what we like a lot, what we are attached to a lot, or what we really do not like, and we work on it. We work uh, completely to the, to the other side. So that means that we would uh, see that what we like is not really have any value in itself. And then if we turn to the opposite side, yeah, you would see also that, you know, it doesn't change anything to our basic uh, happiness or basic quality or our own self. So that is the yoga, Raj Yoga, a lot of uh, working on our own mind to get through to the mind to see the self. So yoga is that, uh, constant working on our thoughts and our beliefs and our emotions in order for us to um, to tell to our own mind or to realize that our own mind is not the truth, cannot serve us the truth. So when we keep working on our mind and the mind would remember that there is a boss, that there is a, a driver, there is a consciousness that is behind the mind, that the mind is not it's not the, the only reality. Actually, it's not the reality. Uh, it's the distorted reality. And, um, and that's, that's yoga. Yoga is working with our mental vrittis, our mental patterns, so that we can, um, um, uh, we can go through to the other side, which is keep our mind so uh, pure and quiet that we can experience the self beyond the vritis. Mm. So that the idea of uh, Patanjali, that uh, you need to overcome the likes and dislikes because the likes and dislikes are the causes of your misery. Mm. Yeah, and really, um, you know, we get, we can understand, you know, why meditation is so important um, with regard to how it is we begin to, to, first see, you know, how we are being uh, driven by the likes and dislikes in the mind. And, mm-hmm. and of course, it's fine, you know, to have everybody is, it's natural, you're going to have preferences, you like this, you don't like that. But, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, w- what it is that, you know, we become attached to, you know, I think that's the key, we become attached, yeah. and, uh, and then that's driving our um, behaviors. And uh, so as you have been talking, Swamiji, we, we begin to see that through this practice of discrimination and detachment, you know, understanding that, you know, that's not me, you know, you have a point of view, and you find yourself, you know, digging in, <laughs> you know, I want to be right, I want to yeah. win this argument. And, uh, you know, yoga teaches that you can, even in the midst of that, uh, you can cool down by um, understanding, you know, that's not the true self, that's not you, it's just a point of view. And right. you don't, and you don't, and you can have freedom in that moment by not being attached uh, to it. And then, of course, our 
meditation practice, I think, helps us accomplish two things. You know, one is it, is it, just sort of turns up the light, you know, the light of discrimination in the mental field. So we're we're more skillful at seeing that, you know, where we're attached, where we're averse, um, and 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 we can see that. But it also, of course, it helps us to purify the mental field of those, um, uh, you know, seeds of karma, you know, in the mental field. So meditation, superconscious meditation. Um, you know, samadhi is, is critical to a life of yoga, right? To help purify, uh, the mind. Otherwise, you know, how do we get out of, you know, this identification with the mind? So, you know, through detachment, uh, through deep, uh, meditation. And of course, the yogis would say through, uh, surrender. This is what we find in Patanjali. We look at the, you know, definition of Kriya Yoga, you know, the self-discipline, study, uh, surrender. So uh, anything about any of those you, you would like to say, Swamiji, um, about any of those uh, self-discipline, study or surrender? Yeah, I believe uh, all of them are essential, but self-surrender is very, very important. Uh, self-surrender just means that uh, we don't function out of our, our low mind, our ego, and, uh, you know, the me and the mind. That is, um, Swami Vishnu Devanji always said like this, you know, if you say mind, anything mind, it will be like mind, so it will blow you up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, uh, self-surrender means... Um, let go of the ego, let go of the sense of uh, being right, um, and uh, just do what is right, do what is dharmic, do what is required, and that and that is self-surrender, and not do what you your mind says that is right. So that's um, the offering that we talk about, mm-hmm. is the, the, the self-surrendering. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't like it necessarily, but you do, your duty, you do what is right, your dharmic duty, and then you accept, and then you self-surrender. I mean, you know that there is something that is um, dictating, something that is that is uh, omnipresent, omniscient, that is guiding. There is a supreme intelligence that is there, and um, we we have our limited view. But we need to surrender to something that is bigger, even though we don't understand ourselves. Mm. And even if we, you know, don't want to, I think that, that's a that's a critical part that I was hearing in what you said. You know, do the right thing, right? Yeah. Do the right thing. Do the dharmic thing. And um, you know, when we're when we're new on the path, I think we don't always know what that is. You know, to do the right thing, to do the dharmic thing. So, you know, how do you help uh, students discern? You know, how, what is it to do the right thing? Mm. So, yoga gives us the guidelines of yamas, niyamas. You know, don't uh, abstain from violence, abstain from dishonesty, abstain from greed, and you know, attachment, and then you know, observe the you know, the purity of mind and be content, be austere, be studying, all this. So yoga give us these guidelines. So in the beginning, if we don't have that purification, 
and that purity of mind, and we have to follow the guidelines. You have to do step by step, and then, uh, you know, and then it will purify us, and then it will lead us to intuition. So when intuition is there, then we don't have to do so much hard work because it comes from within. Right, and then there's the the practice. I think of intuition and and self surrender goes together because uh, you know I, I notice intuition becomes active, mind is purified, and we have uh, intuitive knowing of what it is to do the right thing. But then you know the practice is to actually do it, right? <laughs> you know to follow to follow what we know because sometimes and you know actually very often. Um, uh, intuition comes, but it doesn't, of course, it's not the same pathway, it doesn't come through a mental process of thought, you know, and reason, okay. like we, you yeah. should do this because, you know, intuition yeah. is just direct knowing. So yeah. sometimes, you know, we, we get that intuition and, and then we, we doubt it because we say, well, you know, and we can watch it, you know, in the mental field, right? We can watch the mind come in and say, well, you know, that couldn't be right because X, Y, Z. <laughs> so, um, we, we have to learn this process of how do we take that step, you know, then to live by this direct knowing that comes that, um, you know, I won't say it's contrary to reason, but it doesn't follow that same pathway. So we have to learn how to deal with what the egoic mind will come in and try to um, disprove intuition. So, you know, what do you what do you find for how to deal with that? I think we need to make a distinction between. Um, Intuitional insight and uh, emotional impulse. Because these look the same. It comes out as a flash, it's very fast and very strong, very powerful, and you want to yield right away. So then we have to use the conscious mind, which is the middle mind, to ask the question, you know, when we are not 100% purified and sure that we function on our superconscious mind, that we do have to use the conscious mind uh, to guide us until the time when we can be intuitive and pure. So the conscious mind is higher than the low mind, than the subconscious instinctive um, past mind, and we have to use it. That means we have to ask ourselves the question and uh, reason it out. And when we reason, we should not have the the emotions or our, our past come and overtake or assert our reason or mix up our reason, and that we do quite often until we purify the, our, our consciousness and we'll be able to think clearly. But before that, it's always a mishmash, a mixture, but we need to really pay attention. I think intuition is not cheap. Because intuition comes from a higher mind that is purified already. Uh, it's higher than the conscious mind. So we cannot uh, easily just uh, discard our conscious mind and jump from the subconscious mind to the intuition mind. We might make mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, yeah, I find that... Um 
Exactly right. You know, the way that it is. Intuition comes, um, and then, uh, you know, sometimes you can experience what you, what you refer to as lower mind, you know, past, uh, impressions, um, that will try to engage, you know, and pull you away from this, uh, intuitive insight. But then yeah. you, you can bring it into the court of, uh, conscious mind, even higher mind, and, um, and let let that judgment be there. And there's some parameters, you know, is it, you know, just the very questions you were asking earlier, you know, is it going to be good? You know, is it useful? Is it useful for me? Is it useful for others? And so sometimes those kinds of uh, questions of discernment uh, can be very helpful because, you know, our intuitive win- insight um you know, would would be something in harmony with a, with okay. a higher way. If it's true okay. intuition, it's not, it's going yeah. it's going to be uh, in harmony right. with the truth the truth of our being. Um, we're going to um, at our our center this weekend. We're going to be celebrating our uh, annual gratitude for teachers. Um, Festival. It's our time of, of giving thanks uh, for our gurus in our lineage, and and I know in July um, you will have Guru Purnima at the at the uh, yoga farm, and you know we think so. Um, lovingly and fondly and gratefully about the masters who have made yoga life possible for us. So uh, when you think about your own uh, Guruji, uh, Swami Vishnu Devananda, uh, what is there some guidance that he gave to you, of all the guidance of being with him and watching his life, you know, um, what words of encouragement um did he give you that has stayed with you that you might share with us? Thank you. Um, I believe what I learned from him is the quality of fearlessness because um, we are bogged down and we are limited very much by our fears. Mm-hmm. And fears come from our, our ego. And when we think that we are this limited self and our mind resists so what I learned from him is that fearlessness uh, in everything. That means he say, you know, for a yogi, nothing is impossible. Something is impossible, make it to become difficult. And something difficult, make it until it become easy. And then from something easy, make it until realization. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, all possibilities. And that is helping me to um, overcome my own mind that uh, always manifested as a resistance, mm-hmm. as a fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's uh, all of us is like that. Mm-hmm. Why we are the way how we are, we continue the way how we are because we feel secure. Because when we go out on the limb and be different than what we are, then you know, then we then we feel very insecure, very fearful. So I believe the quality of fearlessness and, and courage is um, very important, but also faith, you know, courage and fearlessness is not foolishness, it's just mm-hmm. based on faith. Yeah, and what what a beautiful teaching, and you know, as you're talking about receiving that from your girl, I have this 
you know, I didn't see him, I didn't meet him, but I do have this image of him, uh, you know, getting in an airplane, right? And, yeah. and taking the teachings, you know, flying around and, uh, you know, delivering, um, gifts of peace all over the world. So, it, you know, it, for me, there's this like a physical, visual, um, inspiration of a, a yogi who is, you know, fearlessly, um, living with this possibility and you know when we're part of a yoga community of course we we get to witness um, the gifts uh, from our teachers through time like that gifts of fearlessness and possibility um, we see how uh dedication to living a higher way to living a yoga life really uh opens this um possibility of what of what can happen and you know the more that we can let go of uh, you know in a sense our past our attachment to limitation and resistance the more that um can flower through us, you know, that is a benefit, uh, for all beings. And so these beautiful, um, communities develop, these beautiful yoga centers, you know, um, start with, uh, you know, what, like an old barn on land <laughs> that, you know, that then becomes a place with temples and, um, housing for people to come and, you know, and for us, old houses in the city, um, that become an ashram, uh, a place of peace. And and our own lives, <clears throat> of course, are remodeled <laughs> in the same way. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we, we cultivate these qualities of um, living a yoga life, a dispassion, discrimination, f- this gift of fearlessness, um, as you say. And we're, we're going to close in, in just a moment, Swamiji, and it's been such a pleasure to talk with you again. And um, I, I want to... Uh, let our listeners know that you're going to be uh, at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and please go to our website csecenter.org to find out the details of when Swamiji will be with us in San Jose, California. Um, before we close the program today, I want to um, ask you for any last words of inspiration that you you want would offer encouragement to those who are you know both those who are embarking on this way of a life of yoga and those who have been uh, treading the path for some time who you know once in a while they get weary so what mm-hmm. is this uh, encouragement that you would offer um i would say two things one is uh, do not run when you do not walk yet <laughs> <laughs> that means that go slowly on the path, track your your path uh, carefully. So sometimes we run, you know, with this idea, this, that, but but then we need to really put it into practice, daily life. I would think that uh, established routine is very important. Do everything all the time, the good practices, do it all the time, every day, same time, establish routine. So that we can uh, really anchor ourselves into this uh, conscious mind. Now, it's not uh, just our, our past habits, create new habits. And then from there, we can go further to, mm-hmm. to that freedom of uh, intuition and connection. Uh, that I would say. And then uh, the other thing I would say is um, everything is all the time perfect, that you are perfect. 
whatever that you see is not perfect is a thing that need to that need to go out of the way. That means you need to see it in order to let go of it. So nothing wrong with it when you see something that is um, not perfect about yourself and others. It's just to acknowledge it and to let go of it, but don't buy back into it and don't be afraid of it. And everything is perfect. Everything is all the time the self, and that um, that is light and that is love. That is everything that you always dream of. So everything's perfect, and we love you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Swami Sita Ramananda. Really a joy to be with you again. And uh, their website, once again, uh, shivanandayogafarm.org. And uh, Swamiji will be with us at uh, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose on Friday, uh, June 24th um, at 7 p.m. in the evening for a beautiful Dharma talk. So come and be with her in person or join us online if you can do that. Uh, and next week on Yoga Hour, I'll be back with um, Ron Lindon, who's making a beautiful film, uh, Walking with Paramahansa Yogananda, The Pilgrim's Journey. And we're going to hear about um, many places that uh, Paramahansa Yogananda went on his um, spiritual journey and some new stories about Yoganandaji that will be very, very interesting. Uh, the Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the spiritual tradition of Kriya Yoga. To find out more about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, go to csecenter.org. I offer my thanks this morning again to uh, Swamiji for being with us, to uh, Jeff Comfort in the sound room at Unity Online Radio, Unity Village in Missouri, to our Yoga Hour team. Uh, thanks to everyone. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour. You can do that at iTunes. It's easy. It's free. Tell your friends about it. I look forward to being with you again. And remember, as Swamiji said, you are perfect. Uh, Let your inner light shine uh, into the world and share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Om Shanti. I'll be with you next week. Thank you, Swamiji. Thank you, Jeff. Namaste. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org When we think of peace, we may imagine ourselves sitting high on a mountaintop at daybreak or walking on a secluded beach while the sun sets. But peace isn't a luxury reserved only for special occasions or special places. It's an essential tool for daily living. My peace isn't dependent upon a particular place or event. At any time and in any circumstance, I can shift my focus from the appearances of life 
to the reality of peace within myself. Park Cousins said, How things look on the outside of us depends on how things are on the inside of us. So if you don't like what you're seeing around you, paint a different picture within you. Peace. What I see is what I get. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 